0: Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hello, thank you for taking the time to listen to the show today. It's about parenting, but not quite in the way you're going to think. I know when I first became a parent, I was 25 years old, which felt very old at the time, but I was overwhelmed with the responsibility of being in charge of this little person for the rest of her life. And the way that I dealt with that worry was to read as much as I could. I was on baby center all the time, trying to figure out every little thing that she was dealing with. But beyond that, I don't even know how many parenting books I read while I was pregnant and that first year of my daughter's life. I read books for parenting teenagers, older children, health, nutrition, sleeping, um, just general care of children, you name it, I read it. And not only did that go one in one eyeball out the other, because of life and it being stressful and exhausting and you forget so much, but I also didn't really change my parenting as much as I wish it could have. And I'll tell you why. I was missing the important piece of the puzzle, which was myself. I wasn't in a good enough place to parent the in a higher quality that I needed to. And Sid Garza-Hillman is on the show today to share what we can do to fill in that most important gap. He has written a book called Raising Healthy Parents. So this is a parenting book, but it's about raising you as a parent so that you can in turn raise a happier, healthier family. So this is about mindset. This is about health and nutrition. But this isn't a prescription filled book. This is about getting to the heart of what you need in your life, what improvements you need to make and how you can do that so you are a better person and better equipped to in, in turn pass it on to your family. So not only am I going to tell you you do need to read this book. Again, it's raising healthy parents. But I want you to listen to what Sid has to say about some really important concepts that I got from the book. Um, Now, just so you know, this book is fun. It's entertaining. It's easy to read. You can pick it up and put it down. Um, But it's so full of aha moments. One of the ones I got was on this concept Sid introduced me to, which is Mott. Most of the time. And I'm going to let him explain that more because it's a huge part of our discussion. And we also talk a lot about what self care really looks like Um, and just being a better person yourself so you can, in turn, bless your family. You're going to love to hear from Sid. He really is incredible at this. He was a podcaster as well. So he knows how to talk. So let's turn my time over to Sid because he's the one you're here for. I'm here with Sid Garza Hillman. Hi, Sid.
1: Hi, nice to see you.
0: Nice to see you too. This is super fun. How about you start by giving my listeners an introduction
1: of who I am? Yeah,
0: tell us who you okay.
1: are. Okay. Okay. I, oh my gosh. Um, well, most importantly, I'm a husband and father of three children. That's my top tier uh, of importance in my bio. I've written a couple books. Uh, I think one we're talking about today a little bit, but um, I'm a certified nutritionist and small steps coach, and I, um, yeah, I run a wellness center during the day. I also do YouTube video. I had a, po- a podcast for f- four years and shut that down in December, but may uh, bring out another kind of show pretty soon. Um, so I got that in the works. And other than that, just doing my doing my thing.
0: Yeah, so I'm a total beginner compared to you. Four years, that is such an accomplishment. Tell me a little bit more about your book, because we will be talking about some ideas from your book. Um, so tell us the name, where people can find it, what it's about.
1: Okay. Well, it's called Raising Healthy Parents: Small Steps, Less Stress, and a Thriving Family. And I'll just give it if, if 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 it's okay with you, like I'll just give a quick background, sort of what I led up that. to this book. Okay, cool. Yes. So the, my first my first book was called Approaching the Natural: A Health Manifesto, and and that book came out of in the beginning of my working as a certified nutritionist. What I always say was my my failure of helping people actually implement long-term change. So I was giving people recommendations and then they weren't sticking with it and that's when I within months realized this is not this is a bigger picture than food number one. Health is a way bigger picture. It's about I started seeing it as about stress. And then I started saying, well, if I'm adding to somebody's stress by putting a whole bunch on their plate, figuratively and literally and just saying eat this and this time and this and it's stressing them out they're not going to stick with it so i sort of immediately backed out of the food thing and said okay like like i can teach you about nutrition that's like done let's move on to the real stuff which is how do you actually maintain health and happiness in this crazy world that's full of stress for for virtually everybody i've ever met so that was the first book and that was the podcast it was called the approaching natural podcast 222 episodes talking about my small steps approach my My bigger picture trying to get people away from this food, diet, exercise thing like, yes, they're important, but also they'll do this other stuff. But in my work with private clients um, and then eventually launching smallsteppers.com, I I started hearing things from people who are parents saying – and I'm a parent too – and that was a source of stress of how to live – well, of course, by them, but also by their families. And I started seeing, wow. And I started kind of looking out in the marketplace and saying, is there like a, a primer for parents out there? Like of sure there's lots of parenting books. Here's how you talk to your kids, here's how you do behavior with your kids, here's how you get your teenager to, you know, work on homework. But nothing was like, Hey parents, here's how you can figure out how to live better yourself so that you can parent your kids effectively, however you choose to parent. And so that was the inspiration for this book of like, we need to, of course, that's our job, but we can't put ourselves on the back burner. We can't sacrifice our own health and happiness because then we can't be good parents. And so that was the inspiration of, of, that's why it's called raising healthy parents instead of like raising healthy children. It's like, no, you got to make sure you're taking care of number one first, not only, but first.
0: Yeah. I'm going to read part, um, Just one line from your book that I think encapsulates why you've written this book. Um, And it says, your children are shaped more by the example you set than by any parenting technique you'll ever know. I love that. I think that's what you're teaching here. This is, so what is the why then? Like, why do parents need to work on themselves in order to be better parents? So a lot of people are going to think, well, this is a selfish premise, why is it not? Yeah, I,
1: well, and I, and I think it is a self-interest. I think it I well, here's what I say. I I called it this in my first book. I called it holistic self-interest. I think that we are a self-interested uh, species. I think our bodies are trying to be healthy. Our bodies aren't putting themselves on the back burner to take care of another body. We're, everything going on in our bodies right now is to help us maintain the best health we can given whatever circumstance. Or, you know, we're detoxifying all the internal workings of our bodies or try to maintain the best balance it can. I think we're looking for pleasure and joy. I think we thrive in a low-stress environment. So I look at that by saying, that's about self-care. And I think that that's a really important thing to say, It's not. It is about you living a happy life. That's why we want a good family, because we get joy from our kids. We get joy from our spouses or we can. Right. And we we want that. I'll put it that way. Whether we do or not is about how well we're doing it. But we want that. We want low stress. We want our kids to be happy and healthy. I think we should be more. The book is be more selfish, but not in a greedy way, in a way of like self-care. I went one step further and said when you do that, when you learn how to take care of yourself as a parent, when you not only, of course, but when you – little moments of, of, of real self-care, not only are you enabling yourself to live less stressful and thereby, I think, be a better parent and spouse, but furthermore, you're setting an example for your child of what self true self-care looks like, which is really – showing yourself kindness. I think that's a really important lesson and one we all I struggle with too. How you treat yourself well is also, the, that's the example um, sentence that you read out of the book, which is not only is it awesome for you because you can be a better parent this way, but also you taking care of yourself, your kids see that and go, okay, my parents value themselves. I value myself. This is how I do it. It's subconscious, but it's, it's real. I think that they do really learn by how we do. We can talk a good game, but if we're not walking the walk, I think kids see right through that.
0: You know, a lot of people, I think, struggle with the term or the phrase self-care because they mistake it for treat yourself. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. I love that word you use, kindness. It's just showing yourself Mm. kindness. And a lot of ways I think we show, we think we're showing ourselves kindness is um, distracting ourselves or numbing ourselves from the stress we're dealing with. And your book goes into what is really going to recharge you and your health and your life, um, is being more meaningful about how you are recharging. So can we go a little bit into that and what you have taught in this book and as well as with your clients, what does it really look like, um, to take those moments during the day to self-care? Because the time is really limited as parents. So what does that look like from that, from that standpoint?
1: Well, I, I'll, I'll first say that, that, sometimes and this is where the most of the time the Mott idea comes in that you that you saw in the book um um but the idea is sometimes we need a treat you know sometimes we need like a dumb movie right just like we're looking right we're looking to dissipate stress so this isn't like hey you guys come home and read Dostoevsky because that's you know because you know I mean like (laughs) like we're I'm I have twins for crying out loud you know like we we were in deep they're they're nine now but they're and they're a lot easier but it's still a lot, and I have a fourteen-year-old. You know, mm-hmm. so at, at, when the twins were born, I had a four-year-old and twins, and and so you're not going to get hours for yourself. Of course, you're. I don't. This isn't me going. This is me as a parent going. Okay, you know, it's easy for me to say, "Hey, exercise an hour a day. It's so good for you." You tell me, a parent that can exercise an hour a day with twins and a four-year-old ain't going to happen. But that doesn't mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater and say, "Okay, then I'm not mm-hmm. going to exercise at all." I step in and saying, "What if you did?" a 30 second walk around the house just to take a few deep breaths. My challenge as a practitioner is to argue that that makes a difference. People disagree with me, but I think it does. And so that's where my constant hitting a wall is, is trying to tell people like, if you expect an hour at the gym, because that's what you always used to do before you had children, then you have children and you still expect an hour at the gym is exercise. You most likely are not going to exercise at all. And I think that you're you're doing a disservice to yourself and your family when you just say, "Well, forget it. I can't do at all." I think that action of any kind, even if it's small, makes again that big difference of showing you that you are you're not giving your power away and your life away, even even in a supremely busy uh, situation. So, back to self care, which is these moments of of you know, I have a very specific method which you read about, but you know, this one deep breath every hour, these these this one minute walk this, um, you know, I, I talked about in the book, I sit in the car and do some, literally 20 seconds of deep breathing before I walk in the house at the end of the day. Just because it resets my clock and makes me enter the house more of who I am as a, as a father, who I want to be as a father, not the irritable, I'm still thinking about work guy, but the took a few deep breaths, said, okay, now who am I? Okay, now let me walk in the house and actually be with my kids. Um, <laughs> I don't get as much time with my kids as I'd love, uh, that's a reality, but I want the time that I do have to be of extreme like, presence and quality. I want it to be as good as it can be, um, because of that, I have a reality of a full time job and and then some, so do you, we all do like we're working hard. And so I'd love to be with my kids all the time. It's not a reality. So I want to make the most of when I can. Um, but I want to make sure that people understand that when they go to junk food, um, that you are treating yourself well. You're trying to have pleasure, and I want you to focus in on that more and say, yeah, this is giving me pleasure. It's a solution to the stress of my day. I'm stepping in and saying, okay, that's a sometimes thing, but maybe there's other ways that you can have, solve the stress of your day that are healthier and more long-term, and then sort of balance out the short-term kind of junk food thing with some other actual, that's where true self-care steps in and says, okay, do some stuff that's actually good for you that lowers your overall stress most of the time.
0: Well, so much of your book has that kindness element to it and this intention element. Like you, it's making your choices intentionally, what's going to serve you more in the long run. However, I love that it's not a prescription. Like you must do this or that. It's very what is individual for you? What is really going to help you? What do you need to progress? And doing it in a way that's manageable. So let's transition into how this applies to doing the right thing. Most of the time, and uh-huh. and 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 how I think that will propel people forward in a way that's actually going to serve them more than thinking that they can only be black and white with these um, habits they're trying to instill.
1: Well, you know, like I would say, most of my clients in the past would come to me and say, you know, I'm a perfectionist, or I'm an all or nothing. That was a big one. I'm an all or nothing person. When, what I always say is that usually about hundred percent of times means nothing, <laughs> you know. Especially yes. when you mix kids in it. like I'm an all nothing, I'm an all or nothing person. I either go all the way or don't do anything. Well, usually they're not doing anything, or usually they can barrel through all for a short period of time, and then that's it. That that is the very definition of yo-yo dieting. When you think about it, you go all the way full bore into a diet, and what happens? Most of them fail because it's not sustainable long term. What I want to do is both help people learn how to alleviate their own stress. Number one and number two do that two ways one by the actions that they're taking like deep breathing and eating well and exercise and all these things but also by the way that they're doing them so not only is exercise it's good for you but if you exercise too much too soon you're adding stress to your life mm-hmm. if you change your diet overnight and cause a whole bunch of disruption in the family and everyone's angry you're not it's not you're not getting the benefit of healthy food mm-hmm. if you sit in front of a meditation, pillow for 45 minutes starting tomorrow morning and you can't tend to your kids and your uh, spouse is like what do okay i guess i'll take care of everything you know yes. that's not alleviating stress so it's not just about the activity but it's how, about how you bring that activity in mm-hmm. that i'm more focused on and that's up to each like like you said i don't put words in people's mouths i don't say do this thing i go what do you think could help you here's some things that might help you okay what are you able to take on now starting today that isn't going to add a bunch of stress And that's sometimes with clients, it's so minimal. It is that 30-second walk with intention around the living room with a few deep breaths. That's where it starts. And you sit down and you go, I did that for myself. That feels good. And you sort of get addicted to that kind of feeling. And then that's the starting point to move forward.
0: Can you give us an example of someone who you've worked with as a small steps coach, which I love that whole premise, um, who perhaps came into you as a former perfectionist or a current one who – was maybe in the nothing phase (laughs) and how they, they, um, how they, how they worked with you on these small steps and what the results were in time.
1: Right. So, so I'll, I'll first say that my small steps approach is not prescriptive in terms of, um, I mean, other people talk about small steps, but they say, you know, break everything down into two minutes. I don't do that because frankly, two minutes is, too much for some people, Mm -hmm. you know, or too little from other people. So my definition of small steps as I crafted it was a a step that is a a big enough and or small enough step in the right place to add just a little bit of stress but not too much and not too little. Too little, we're stagnating, we don't do anything. Too much, we burn out. So it's how do you keep the activity that you're trying to bring in, whether it's eating, exercise, meditation, journaling, whatever, how do you keep it in that nice adaptive stress place, you're bringing in just enough. And that changes depending on the context of your life. In other words, before I had children, I was I was journaling 30 minutes a day. I had a, a ton of time. After I had children, I had to rethink because 30 minutes was too stressful all of a sudden because my life had changed. I wanted to I want to teach people how to understand that it is a an ever-changing model of what works in their lives. And when your life changes, you have a child who gets sick or you change your job or your whatever you might need to adjust the things that you're doing. You got up to four miles a day of running, but all of a sudden that doesn't work. The challenges I've had with people are this idea that, well, once I'm running four miles, I can't go back. Mm. I've got to keep four miles because I've been doing four miles. Well, all of a sudden their lives completely change, but they've got to stick to that four miles. Well, guess what's gonna happen? They're either gonna get injured, sick, or they're gonna burn out. That's statistically is what's gonna happen. Um, So with clients who came to me as perfectionists, it was like this idea of, I have an idea what exercise is, And so, because I don't have time to do this thing, I'm not doing it at all. And I said, you, that doesn't, does, well, I would ask, does that work for you? You know, does yo-yo dieting work for you? The answer is no, that's why they came to me in the first place, like, okay, so let's break all that stuff down, let's break all the ideas of what you think healthy eating is, what you think exercise is, what you think meditation is, let's break it down to its bare bones, and then say, what can you bring in right now, starting today? that is manageable for you, that isn't Mm -hmm. gonna stress you out, um, given how your life is now. Teaching them the tools to do that allows them to make adjustments later on in life when their lives change again, without needing me to do that. I'm want always very clear, I'm not a guru. I don't wanna be a guru. I don't even like that model. I wanna empower, my biggest success is when somebody goes, yeah, I got it from here, thanks, you're done, right? And then it's like, yeah, so I don't wanna keep my, Smallsteppers.com. I cut people off after twelve weeks. And like, but but I, it may take me longer. I go, no no. You you learn what the system is, and then go, now go live your life because that's what you really want to do. You don't want to be stuck to me. So the idea is with these with people who have come as perfectionists to so all or nothing is the challenge is to say. The model in the past hasn't worked for you, and now we're going to break it down so small that I have to convince you somehow that putting one stock of celery on your dinner plate with whatever else you're eating does make a difference. And it makes you somebody who eats healthy food every day. Even if it's just a stock of celery, you eat healthy food every day. You know it. Then you can start adding to that over time. But I don't know what that is for you. I don't know how much you're going to add over time. I want you to learn how to do it for yourself to add onto that and get to the point where you're eating healthy, as healthy as you want to eat. Whether that's, I have my own levels, people, all my clients have different levels. I don't give them a diet and say, eat this every day I never do, because that's what I used to do and it doesn't work.
0: Hmm. Well... I think the small step approach is really helpful in getting people started and can, you know, building momentum. Um, and then I think that transfers to this idea of most of the time. Can you introduce that a little more formally to our listeners? What is what is most of the time?
1: Right. So, I use this stupid, I mean it's an acronym, but MOT, right? So, yes. I just for short, I go your MOT. Is it your MOT? Um, so what I do is help people kind of craft a, a, an actual steps, I call it a small steps list. And and I always say that the steps you put on your list are are really intended to be daily i guess but they're but they're really about most of the time and here's what i mean um one of the biggest and this is totally coming from me personally where i have a a tendency toward militancy in my past i have i'm a runner i'm an ultra runner so there would be times where even before i was doing ultra marathons i would be training for something very recent i started kind of this up in the last five years um But I would be following a training plan, and I would have to stick to it because that's what it said on the page. And to my detriment, you know, I've ruptured my Achilles tendon. I would, you know, I've broken my foot because I can't miss a day. Hmm. So what I realize is there are lots of people like me that kind of let that thing get in in charge of them instead of the other way around. And I think that's a very weak place. I wanted to be a stronger person to say I'm in charge of this plan, and if I'm not up to doing this today. I don't want to do, I want to be able to have the strength to not run on a given day. That's a hard thing for me. And it's been a, and it's been a thing and I'm still in the middle of it and, and improved for sure. But what the most of the time thing says is, is most of the time, not what you do all the time. If you try to do something all the time, usually you're going to fail and cause yourself misery. If you realize that it's what you do most of the time, but even if you have a, a step on your list that says one minute walk per day, I want people to work through this idea of, not doing it sometimes just on almost on purpose. Like I'm not going to do that today. That's so hard for most people. It's so hard for me to not do something one day. It's like, cause of my, whatever that background, I'm not a psychologist. whatever that background is for me that led me to that thing, it's hard for me not to do that. And so I want people to focus. It is. And that way you don't sweat the one-offs. I mean, people are like, what do you eat when you travel? I go not that well. You know, I'm traveling. I'm going to speak in New York. I'll get some trail mix from the market from the from the airport thing. I don't I don't know if it's that it's not the healthiest thing, but that's one day. That's not my overall. I eat most of the time very well, so that I don't sweat the day when I run through Taco Bell because I've been driving for four hours to get to the airport for crying out loud, right? Mm -hmm. So, and 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 if I run most of the time and exercise most of the time, I don't sweat the day off. You know, and so the idea is to work. On people to understand that it is very hard to pull off 100% in today's world of anything and when we try to do that, eat 100% healthy all the time, we become militant and rigid and stressed and sometimes unhealthy ironically even though we're eating the good diet but we're not actually healthy and that's a a very weird modern reality that I think many of us are struggling with.
0: Yeah and you're setting yourself up for failure and a failure that feels way um, harder than if you're just practicing most of the time and you can't do something sometimes. So how, how does this apply to parenting as well?
1: Well, so I'll use myself as an example because I do, um, you know, that, that example of me taking a few deep breaths in the car is real. Um, because I found myself, you know, coming home and being stressed about work or whatever people do, you know, I got my phone in my hand and the whole thing. And so, um, I would come in the house and sort of be on the phone and not really be with my kids. Um, so I realized that's not who I am that's not the parent I want to be so I started in in implementing that deep breath thing um, and it's helped most of the time mm-hmm. but there's certain times where I come in the house and it's just you know it, yeah. it. and so instead of beating myself up about it um, you know, or, or saying like, that's it, I'm a crappy person because I can't do it. I can do it, I do it most of the time. But there's times when I sort of weigh the, am I doing this most of the time or not? If I'm, if I'm walking the door in a better place most of the time, I'm good. I think it's amazing. Um, and the number one unexpected response I've gotten from people. Um, from reading the book and everything is that they, they say I'm beating, I don't beat myself up anymore. Yeah. Uh, and that, that to me was like so unexpected. I expected people to go like, Oh, now I'm exercising. Cause I started blah, blah, blah. And I was like, this is so much bigger. People go, I don't beat my, if I have ice cream, I don't care. Like I used to beat myself up. Well, what happens is when you beat yourself up, that's the beginning of that snowball of like, I'm a crappy person. I can't do this. I'm stupid. I'm fat. What are you going to do? You're going to go right back to the junk food because it's the thing that makes you feel better. And then that. Is the snowball. If you go, hey, I had ice cream, whoop you do, but most days I eat really well. So tomorrow I'm not gonna have ice cream, and you move on, and that's how you grow and start treat that's the self-care that I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Is treating getting the treats sometimes, but also doing things that are also solutions to your stress that are, you know, deeper and a little more long term.
0: Okay, there's a part where you you kind of share the positive effects of practicing Mott. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, so the reasons why you wish everyone would practice it, maybe you can tell us a few of those. Why do you wish everyone would practice Mott?
1: Well, first and foremost, because I don't want people to beat themselves up anymore. I, I don't want people to beat themselves up because they had one so-called flub, which isn't even a flub. It's just a day. Um, so that's number one. I'm, t- I'm tired of this, like, you know, a lot of the internet is uh, abounds with... You know, extreme athletes or whatever talking about what they eat, and then or they or you go on to websites and it's top seven superfoods and top eight foods you should eat every day. And what this does is makes people crazy because then they read this and they go, oh my gosh, I have to do this every day. Every day I have to eat these eight foods, and it's making people. Nuts, and usually they can't pull it off, and then they feel like they are ineffective, and they're not ineffective. They're called human beings in a crazy world, and they're probably doing pretty darn good. And they're not even giving themselves credit for it because they're doing well most of the time, and that's not good enough because of sort of this expectation. We see the before and after photos, and all this stuff goes in our heads, and we think we're not doing enough. And usually, we're doing plenty already, and maybe there's little tweaks to be had, but we're kind of okay. So, the mot thing for me is. Number one to realize some people you're probably doing better than you think because you're comparing yourself to freaking Kim Kardashian and you don't even know what she does and it's not even your business. But yeah. you're probably doing okay. You know? <laughs> and 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 so you let you take that weight off your shoulders, number one. Number two, you look for patterns. You don't look for the you don't care about the one off. You go, am I doing this okay most am I am I moving my body in some fashion most days? then I'm good. You start looking for patterns. And and by the way, the reverse is true. You say, you know what, most days I'm actually not moving. And then you can say, well, what if I just did like 30-second walk per day? Then all of a sudden, just like that, in a week you're moving most days because you set it at such a low level, and you know, look what I did. I took care of it. I took care of that problem. I acted. I'm. That's power. That's, that is power and strength. That's why I want the MOT to be adopted by people because they are no longer this – getting sucked into this perfectionist like you said you're setting yourself up for failure. I don't like that. I don't like I don't want anybody to do a diet and then it they gain the weight back and feel like they have failed. You did not set yourself up for success when you got into a diet. You didn't take it on in a way that worked for you in the context of your life. So you didn't fail. You just didn't have a context that was you know, you didn't start from fair fair grounds. Right. So yes. no failure, if you if somebody says you're do the impossible and you can't do it, well, it's impossible. <laughs> you didn't fail. It's just the reality of the model. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and, and another thing I think about Mott is that it builds confidence. And as you continue to gain confidence, you're able to create um, more changes that you need to do and make them more lasting in the end. Um, one thing though, I like that you are clear about, about change in general is it's, it's hard. Um, it's, it's not easy. Um, so how, how can we still own those two sides of the coin? Like still trying to be kind to yourself, but also owning that change is hard.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's an excellent point. Uh, anything different that you do, anything new that you do is going to make your life harder than it was when you were just sort of not doing it. In other words, You've got your routines of the day. You get up, you brush your teeth, you don't really think about it. You go down, flip the coffee maker on, you don't really think about it. There's like the things that you do. When you introduce something that's new, even if it's minimal, it is harder. It, by definition, it's, it's stress added to your life. It doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, it's stress added to your life. My only question is, can you minimize that to the point where you can continue the behavior long enough to actually build on it and make it a new part of your life that you don't really think about. I mean, can you stick with exercise starting off at 30 seconds a day and maybe over six, eight months, a year, you get up to the point where you're going through a three-mile jog and now you don't, you're do not you just a person who exercises and you don't think about it? It's just, yeah, I get up, I brush my teeth and I go for a run. And and it can actually happen if you stick with something long enough. So the idea is just to, to how do, can you stick with something long enough understanding that anything new is hard. I never I'm not selling easy. I'm not selling quick fixes. I'm not selling before and after photos. I'm talking about hard work. I'm just trying to minimize the hard work involved. But if you want to create a new habit in your life, it is going to take work. Period period. The only question is, are you going to take on so much that you burn out and feel like a failure? Or are you going to do it in a way that is adult and mature in a way that you can stick with long enough to become the person who just eats healthy and doesn't really think about it most of the time, who, who exercises most of the time, doesn't really think about it, who takes some deep rest most days and doesn't really think about it, right? It's, it's like becoming all those new things becoming like brushing your teeth. That's, that's, that's long-term stuff.
0: And I think it speaks to that whole piece of being intentional, Taking on one thing at a time, too. Like, what is most pressing in your life that needs change right now instead of a whole list? And then starting with that one that one thing. Um, I wanted to know from your book, so again, the book is Raising Healthy Parents, what is one other idea that you would like to share with people who are listening, who find themselves on either side of this perfectionist pendulum, being an overachiever or an underachiever? What's another thing that... They need to hear it today.
1: Um, I, I think that it all starts to me, and this is a hard thing for people, and it definitely was hard for me because, you know, we're all adults here. I don't, you know, hopefully you don't have like four-year-olds listening to your podcast. But anyway, um, <laughs> it might, uh, maybe maybe you do. Uh, we're, we're adults. And I think a hard decision to make is, a, a hard, I'll put it this way, a hard activity to do is to ask yourself uh, what you stand for. To really do the work, and again, this is work. It doesn't mean to be done tonight. It doesn't mean need to be done tomorrow. And it certainly can take as many days as it takes. But who you are now in raising healthy parents? The question was, who am I as a parent? And this is where the this is the hard part. Regardless of how you've been behaving. This is, this is weird. We define ourselves. We say, I'm a binger, I'm an overeater, I can't help myself, I have no control, I'm fat. I'm a, These are the messages we hear. We define ourselves by that. Mm-hmm. And I say, if you don't like that stuff, then who is the you that doesn't like it? Because that's what I want to focus on. Think focus on the entity in you that doesn't like binge eating because that's actually the real you in this situation. You're, you're defining yourself. So in other words, I could define myself as, here's who I am. I'm a guy who walks in the door at the end of the day, and I'm irritable, and I don't pay attention to my kids. I could, I could define myself like that, except for I don't like that. So if I don't like that, I'm saying, actually, that isn't who I am. The reason I don't like it is because it's not something I value and think is a good thing. So then I say, okay, I'm, I'm just going to leave that as it is, but now I am going to focus on actually who I am, who I am as a parent. I'm the guy. Truly, who walks in the door and is with his kids and his wife and can be present, and I don't bring work in the door. Okay, now I've got something to work on. Now I've got something to go toward. We often embark on these diets or plans, and we have no end game, we have no crystallized end game. We have no cr- clear picture of who we are. I want that to be established first. You don't have to change anything in your life at all when you ask these questions, but at least know. If you're, you know, let's say if you're like obese, you can be. I'm a, I'm at a healthy weight. In other words, I don't like being obese. That's actually not who I am. I've been behaving that way. That's been in conflict with what I stand for. I got to know what I stand for, so that then I'd go, okay, if what I stand for is I'm at a healthy weight, then I'm not going to go to this diet and this diet and this. I'm going to do this in a real way to become that person truly, and that goes for parents too. I think before, before Act One, know who you are. Know what you stand for. Know the parent you are truly inside. On your best days when you're not stressed and you're relaxed and you're in a good mood, how do you act those days? Because that's actually who you are. You're not the parent who is behaving when they're stressed and exhausted. That's just circumstances leading you to activity that's in conflict with who you are. And so you try to rectify. And again, you're never maybe gonna, I'm not gonna become the the exact parent that I know I am inside every day but I I at least have an idea of what to work toward and I can improve for the rest of my life. I don't have to do it tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I can, I, I want to, I want to be able to grow and improve the rest of my life. That's it.
0: Love that. Okay. So before I ask you my final question, I just want our listeners to know like this book, it's, it's, you, you designed it so it's funny, it's entertaining, it's easy to read. They can pick it up and they can put it down when they need to, but it is, so full of these rich, deep ideas that I think are are so significant and are really going to change people. So I love your book, and I want people to read it. Can you tell? Um, can you tell people? Can you tell people where to find you as well as your book before we ask the final one?
1: Sure. Um, you know the books. Everywhere. Uh, I mean, probably every bookstore doesn't have it, but anyway, it's it's distributed by Ingram and it's it's out and about. But obviously, Amazon, Barnes and Noble, and you know the usual suspects. Um, but local bookstores should have it. If they don't, you can always obviously they can order it and stuff. Um, they can find me at sidgarzahillman.com, and I have. Uh, all the podcast episodes, 222 of them, are still there and they're up. All my YouTube videos, I'm posting twice a week, um, and those are all up on that site, obviously on YouTube. And then smallsteppers.com is that is that site that I talked about, my 12-week program um, that that helps people learn my system. Basically, I'm not promising anything other than learning my system. And um, and other than that, that's yeah, that's it.
0: Great. Well, I want, I now I want to ask you this question that I ask each guest and it's a little bit more personal. So I hope you're ready to dive into that, but it's what have you learned about yourself the past few years?
1: Um, this is, I've, I have a very easy answer for this. Um, what I'm learning about myself is that it's okay for me not to be right. And this has been probably the biggest challenge for me. I hate being wrong. I hate it. And, uh, and I have found in looking back over the last couple of years, I would literally be dishonest uh, to sort of justify I did do it. No, no I, and I and I will I have you know altered the truth, and I don't like that because again, it's not who I am. So instead of me feeling bad about it, I'm like, you know what? Let me just see what it's like to just be like, yeah, I screwed that up. Um, it's been very liberating. Um, it's been talk about stress reduction. I don't hang on to stuff. I'm like moving on. I work hard, so it's never like major stuff. But my goodness. What a, at 49 years old, what a major deal. Like in the little in the last, three years of, that I was like, you know what? I just, I don't want to like the energy. I don't have the, I don't have the time to like try to justify a mistake that I made and try to make it sound right. I made a mistake. I want to be okay with it and move on and, and, Fix it and and try not to make it again. And it doesn't help me to feel crappy about myself because it's just going to lead me to more mistakes. So it's been a huge change in my life in a huge way. It's a process. uh, There's no doubt. But I I still hate making mistakes. Um, But I've gotten a lot better at just being like, I screwed that up. That's been very hard for me to say.
0: Oh, I so relate to that. As well, my, all of my That's six siblings will tell you that has been a common Achilles heel yeah. in my own life. So yeah. thanks for telling me how liberating it is on the other side. Hey, yeah, Sid, this yeah. has oh, been... I'm not
1: quite there, but... Okay, well, <laughs> yeah. I'm, partway I'm there, there. there. Most of the time. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, yeah, Sid, this was awesome. I'd love to have you back on anytime. Thank you so much for being on the show.
1: Absolute pleasure. I'll, I'll come on whenever you want. This was super fun. Thank you so much for having me.
0: Sid was someone that after I got off the phone with him, I'm like, okay, He's coming back on. I want to know what you want to know from Sid. You can write to me at my email, packerprogress at gmail.com. Let me know what you want to hear from him. What's missing that you want to talk about more or what's something he said that you want to explore a little more, get some answers to. We can do a little Q&A with him. So let me know what you want to hear from him and we'll get him back on the show in the near future. Now, I already reminded you about my event. Let me just tell you another reminder. I do my very best to offer you this podcast full of things that are going to help you and help me too. I have grown so much doing this and I love it, but I do it for free. What I would love from you in return is a rating and a review on iTunes. I know that I usually say that in passing, please leave a rating and review, but I really mean it. Ratings and reviews are like gold to podcasters. That's how this podcast can spread. Someone is looking or someone is reading a podcast or looking at a podcast and mine will pop up on the bottom if they're similar or if it's something that um, the algorithm shows them they might be interested in. I get higher on that algorithm when there are lots of ratings and reviews. It does not take time but does not take much time at all especially if you're doing it from your iPhone on that purple app that you have the podcast app but if you don't have an iPhone or it's hard for you to figure out get on your desktop get on iTunes and leave me a review there I'd be so grateful for that as you know my goal is 500 this year and I am now in the 200s thanks to a plea on Instagram you guys I hate asking for these things I have never asked my friends or family to do this That was a business mistake, but now I'm swallowing my pride and I'm asking you if you can do that for me, I'd be so grateful. And then that means I don't have to talk about it all the time, which I would love to be able to do. And I'm sure you would love to not hear it. So if you can do that for me, I would be so grateful. Next Wednesday, I have a woman on the show that I I just love her. I love her so much. It's Georgia from knowhowmom.com or you might know her on Instagram on as knowhowmomtips. She's going to blow your socks off people. That interview is incredible. i learned, I learned so much. I think I say that all the time but that's why I have these people on. You cannot miss it. Come here next Wednesday for my interview with Georgia and until then take care of yourself.